Hello everyone, this is Inspiring African Travel. I'm James and with my wife Julia and our great friend Stuart, we aim to take you on a journey to meet really inspiring people involved in tourism right across Africa. Stories of female empowerment, local citizens who've made it in tourism, stories of conservation, and just take you on a journey to the most amazing destinations in Africa that we know and that we love. If you love Africa and her people and the places and the wilderness, we're sure you're going to really enjoy this podcast. Okay, welcome back to part two of episode two. If you haven't listened to the first part where we meet John Carter, uh, one of Botswana's longest serving members of staff in the tourism industry and an amazing man with a wonderful story, uh, please go back and listen to part one. Uh, for now, it's over to MC to find out about his life as a, as a young lad, little rascal running around Mountown and then really establishing himself in the tourism industry in Botswana to becoming highly successful at what he does today. And so nice to tie it in with John, his uncle, uh, who's such a legend in the industry. So we hope you enjoy the second part of this second episode. Cheers. I'm going to bring you into the frame now. <laughs> okay. MC is uh, currently the operations director for the entire group, possibly one of the most successful tourism operations in Botswana. And I think it's safe to say that the relationship that you two goes beyond uncle and nephew. Um, you know, I think you look at uh, uh, John as a father figure yes. and someone very special and close to your heart. Okay, okay so not to age you, um, uh, because, um, you know, I know you're older than me as well, MC, so I have to respect you. But when were you born? I was born in 1977. Okay. So this was, uh, you were born around the time that this camp was starting to get established and everything. Mm. What's your first memory of your uncle, John? My first memory of uncle is that um, I remember very well that he had a cool job. He's a cool uncle. He's a very nice job. He's very loving. He will always come from the bush because they used to say the whole year, pretty much the whole year, and then they'll come November. Okay. So you didn't see him much? Didn't see him much. So you'll only pull in runabout November. And then he was always very loving, and mm. he will whole bunch of kids. He'll give them 10 puller, 10 puller, 10 puller. Everybody will have money. Oh, and nice. then always when he's around, everybody's very happy because he made sure that everybody used to be looked after. That was my first memory of him. And I was like, one day I'd like to do what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And he told us that, hey, you guys need to study and you need to learn hard. You're very lucky you've got the opportunity. I didn't have the opportunity to be able to be at school. Mm. But I'm working hard for all of you here. So I remember that loving man who used to come down and, and look after us and love everybody. He made sure that he would touch every kid mm. when he came back. And there was a lot of us. Mm. It wasn't just me, yeah. 
the other thing that I also was very cool about him, he come with his khaki clothes, uh-huh. you know, like the safari khaki yeah, yeah, outfit, yeah. and it looks so nice. And uh-huh. I'm like, wow, this is really cool. It looks smart. It looks smart. You know, so, and I was like, whoa, this is quite great. One day we are going to have to get into this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, John, what was MC like as a, as a Muslimani? I don't know. I can say I can't get a Was he naughty? That's good. You saw good potential in him? That was good. Yeah. Yeah. Take me for it. So basically, he said you were a little bit naughty. Yeah. Uh, and you were not like wanting to go to school, but he said you must go. Yeah, yeah. Of course, as a, as a child, school was not the best. No. I'm sure you know that. Sure, you know, sure. it wasn't the best. Sometimes you want to feel like you want to sleep. Because like, like me. Yeah. I don't know anything. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but John and the, and the parents and my mom made sure that uh, we all go to school. I, yeah. I went to school, mm-hmm. so, which I'm very grateful for. You sure. know, that's why now I can I can be here and talk and, and talk to you. Yeah. I'm sort of still stuck in Ireland. <laughs> no, I think uh, yeah. education yeah. is everything. So it's, yeah. it's really yeah. important. Which, which is good vision for them. I mean, back in then, when yeah. they decided, listen, we need to take this guy's for school. I mean, they calculated, they worked on it. Mm-hmm. The government came and said, no transport I'm going to provide you with, but if you come to the other end, I'll be able to do this. And for them to give away their whole life, especially for mom to say, you know what, okay, I'll be the first one, I'll take all the kids out yeah. so that they can be able to benefit. That was absolutely uh, something that I, I still like, wow. Yeah. This is incredible. Yeah. It's incredible vision. Did you think at the time when he was finishing school and stuff that one day he would be one of the big directors in the company yeah so he he he, he did sort of see a vision that, but he, he was not predicting to be where I am now mm. but as soon as when I went down to when I started being a waiter at the Dakin and Mom mm. and then later going to Camp Noremi he realized now this guy is gonna go somewhere in life which he says is very grateful he's now saying he thinks if he would have gone to school he would have also ended up as a director but it, does, but it doesn't feel bad. Yeah, it doesn't feel bad because I'm caring that for him. Yeah. <laughs> no, because in those days, let's let's be honest. In the late 80s, 90s, even early 2000, mm. all the people that were running mm. every safari company in Botswana mm. were from South Africa, UK, mm. America. Mm. Uh, there weren't any Botswana mm. in in senior positions. Yeah. So mm. it must have been hard to say, okay, well, where do we go from here? But uh, you should be very proud of, uh, I mean, I know we've spoken about this many times uh, over the last last year when you retired, but um, your commitment to the company and to every guest that has passed through that camp over 40 years uh, doesn't go unnoticed. You are the product. You are the legacy. So MC, when... Um, did you get time to go and join John in the bush to learn some of his techniques or how, did, he, did he impart some of his experience to you? He did a bit, but unfortunately it was a bit late because yeah. by that time I was already working at um, Camp O as well. So how him. did you enter tourism industry? Okay, I entered tourism straight after school. I started working in Man in a <laughs> restaurant <laughs> in Man as a waiter. That was a breakthrough to get myself into the bush. And then somehow I got picked up by one of the directors of Desert Adult, former former directors. His name was Max Sweeter. You know mm-hmm. Max Sweeter? 
Mm-hmm. Mark and Mark and Jill. Yeah. He was the operation, I think he was the general manager back then. Mm-hmm. But he used Yeah, he used to come to the Duck Inn when I was a waiter. The Duck Inn mm-hmm. was one of the most famous um bars in yeah. Mount. Pub. Pub. <laughs> back in the day when it back was a one horse town <laughs> and there was like one major place where everybody would go to get a cold beer when they came back from the bush. Yep. And yep. that was where you were, which That's is strategically one of the best places to locate yourself if you want to be recruited, oh yes. right? Yes. All the business people were coming there. Business meetings, corporate meetings were all happening there. Mm. All the hunters were all coming there to celebrate their their success, their trophies. Um, so I was working there, and then at some point I got to know this general customers coming, and I could see they're coming with a dozen and Delta logo, which looked exactly the same as where my uncle was working. Mm. And then it happened that the Dakin now is closing down, and they came and asked me, where would you like to be? Where, where are you going? What are your plans? I got no plans. Says, hey, listen, we will take you. Cool. But then they didn't know that they're working with my uncle. Uh-huh. So they told me, we want, would like you to choose. Didn't, they, oh, they didn't know that he was your uncle. Yeah, they didn't know that he was my uncle. Mm. So they asked me, we would like you to choose. Either you go to Camp Pakovango or you go to Camp Moremi. Mm-hmm. And I chose to go to Camp Moremi because uh-huh. I wanted to be independent and be on my own. I didn't want to be under his arm. And then later, I got to work with them at Camp Show. Oh. Now it's coming as a manager for Camp Pakovango. Do you think it was the right decision? Do you, th- do you think it would have been nice to go to Camp Pakovango first and have him there? Or do you think it was better to be independent and do your own thing at Camp M? I think it would have been better to be independent mm. because as a small boy, I just wanted to learn everything on my own, <coughs> stuff for my, myself. Otherwise, I would knew he would give me, spoon feed me everything yeah. at Camp Yeah. At Camp Marema, that's where I I learned to be a guide. I had enough time. But you, your, your first job at Camp Marimi was not a guide, eh? My first job at Camp Marimi was a waiter. And waiter. then later become a barman okay. at Camp Marimi. Yeah. And then later, I went to be a guide at Kugana, yeah. which is very close to Camp Okavango. So while you were waitering and barmanning, were you, how were you, I mean, like, like we said earlier, you didn't really have the opportunity as a young boy to learn a lot about the bush yeah. from your uncle, maybe some stories. What was your knowledge of the wildlife and the nature around you when you were a barman there? Okay. The interesting part, once the folks got down, settled in Mount, at the age of, I think I was six months old, John might correct me wrong, I got picked up by my grandmother who was based in Setaka. That is out of, um, I'll say, 15 kilometers out of Maan. Um, that's where I grew up. As a Tata, I grew up there with my granny. And then later, my kindergarten was to be out in the bush mm-hmm. looking after cattle, goats. And we used to cross the Tamalakani River to the other side at the age of two, three, four, somewhere there. On a Mokoro. Mokoro to the other side, mm. and then you look after it goes. Obviously, there were some elderly kids there that you, same age, mm. you play around together, but far out to the fields to herd the cattle out there. And at the same time, that's when you're learning about the bush. You're climbing trees to eat wild fruits, and then uh, you're making traps, catching some small guinea fowls and small little things. Mm-hmm. And also spring hares and bunnies and all of that stuff. We use our dogs to be able to catch those. And that was your food for the day. There was no sandwich for the day. That is your food for the day. And then in the evening, we'll head the cattle back to the cross, which is get them to cross the river. And then you get them to the crawl. Milk, you drink milk for the evening. That's your supper. So that was pretty much my kindergarten up until the age of seven. Mm-hmm. That's when I came to mom to stay with mom. 
and then to start school. The reason why I came down here is so that the school was close by, so I could go to school. So, so but otherwise, my kindergarten was pretty much more bush based. Yeah. Not no knowledge from him, but the knowledge from other other yeah. generations. Yeah. You had a good cousin. you had a good interpretation of the the wilderness area. Oh yes, from yes. Up. From growing at early age, I mean, the, one of the finest memories of my childhood was taking the cattle across the river, which was very deep. So you can see my height. Um, and you don't have a makoro to cross it. Sometimes you have to push the cattle, chase the cattle into the river because you want them to cross over. And then you hang on to their tail as they cross, they swim because they're good swimmers, swim through the deep river. And then just as you come to the edge of the river, you let the tail go. <laughs> so you hope um, that if the crocodile comes, it goes for the kumo. <laughs> for the kumo. Or even you have to be clever enough so that you don't get kicked on your forehead. <laughs> yeah, sure. Because as soon as it gets shallow, as soon as it could kick you back. Like so you just have to be smart enough. And unfortunately, one of my friends was led this far. And then he got kicked. Then he got nailed on the forehead, <laughs> scar, and we were all scared as kids. But somehow we managed to get him back across. But otherwise, yeah, so... For me, the bush knowledge, based on the stories that I was getting from him later, uh-huh. I knew a lot of birds by Setswana local names, yeah. and then a lot of animals also were local names. So when I was starting to be a guide, it was much easier for me because I was just changing everything from Setswana to English. You know, Leba, I'll say, okay, this is Leba, now it's called a dove. Yeah. Or there's different types of Maeba, Leba, Lamudima, and this. So I knew all of this, but I just have to change into English, and then when it comes to plants, do botanical yeah. and common names and all of that. And I got the license. To nice. Me. Yeah. So that was that was that bush knowledge was always there. Got it. And it was always one of the most desirable jobs in terms of progressing your career when you were working in the bush to be a guide because you are at the face of the guest. You get tips. It is. We know from operations that it's one of the most crucial parts of the whole experience for travellers, isn't it? Oh, no, no, it's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, I felt like I traveled around the world, yeah. just speaking to different people coming from all over. They're telling me, oh, MC, I'm from Sicily, man. It's just like this. I'm from New York. Mm. The Big Apple looks like this, mm. you know. So at some point, I felt like I traveled around the world. When I got there, I figured out, oh, okay, I can actually be a guide. It's one of the best jobs in the lodge, yeah. in, the, in the camp. So and I went on and I just figured out how to Len opened the books, borrowed the books from the guides. Yeah. John gave me a lot of books as well, his, his books. He had books, which is amazing because he hasn't been to school, but somehow he could read. He could tell you, page 103, there is a crested barbet. <laughs> and then you get page 103, there's a crested barbet. He memorized the pages of the books, of Robert's books. So I managed to get to study and figure out what is needed uh-huh. and spend some little bit of time with the guides. Yeah. And then uh, come for an application, apply to go and sit for an exam. And I got my license, cool. which was which was really great. Yeah. So you moved around a little bit as a guide, as a professional guide. Mm. When did the fire start burning in your stomach to say, okay, now I've progressed. I've bombed this. Now, like, I'm not going to stop here. I am going to. Uh, I would like to be a director in this company. Did it happen over time, or was there a moment you remember when I go, no, I, I, I can go somewhere here. I'm always a go-getter. Just get yourself going as far as you want to go. Some of the jobs sometimes I felt like, I've got no cooking clue what I'm doing here. Am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? Cause, but as a guide, it was one of the best jobs I've done. Yeah. And even now, if I'll have to retire to finish with my years of the corporate world, go back to guiding. I'll happily do guiding yeah. within a split second. Yeah. Because it's great, you know, and I loved it and I enjoyed it. It's, 
not only from the people perspective side of things, also from the wildlife side of things. You know, guiding is always amazing. You don't know what you could see. You don't know what is out there. You would have seen that elephant that day. The next day you see it is sitting there and watching it is doing something different. Same applies to the sunsets. Yes, they set every day, but every day you go and watch that sunset, it's completely different. So I enjoyed being close there to that environment. And so being a guy at some point, I said, okay, you know what? I've done it enough. I think it's time for me to move on. Mm. If there's any other opportunity that comes in, I'll do it. That's when I start looking at management of the camps. Yep. First camp I managed, it was Kugana camp. Um, I think I was the second local person, meaning in Matswana, yeah. to manage. Otherwise, back then, like as we, as we know, as the industry was growing, we had a few expatriates running the camps. Yeah, not, having, not just in head office. Every yeah, camp in every was, camp. was yeah. managed so, typically by a couple from... From somewhere you know, outside. Yeah. Other, um, English people, I worked with English people, I worked with people from Holland, I worked mainly South Africans because it's much easier to get in here, which mm. was absolutely great. The government set up a localization program which was set up, designed, and it was one of the best things the government did. Yeah. That an expert will come in, and then a local person will be under that person, and then you learn the skills from this person after two, three years or five years, take over. and then you take over. And that program worked very well. A lot of us have graduated from that. So, yeah. and, and you were the second that you knew in the I was, company? I was the, the second, second, I was the second Motswana after Ishmael and Julia. Well, I'll say yes, after yeah. Ishmael. On the male side, and then Julia. So to become a manager, to become a camp manager of the, of the of, of, of local manager. The interesting part. I remember one annual general meeting. The first AGM that I went for the company. I by then I was managing Kugana with Amanda Baker. She was Matswana from San Francisco. Um, we were running that camp together. So we went to the AGM at Sabuti. It was most amazing thing. The amazing part is we all set up in the Savuti all dining area. That's where all the meeting was held. And the next thing, there's a swarm of staff all surrounding this whole building. Like, there's about a coup or a strike. And I was like, what's going on? And then we start chatting. What's going on? No, no, no. We're coming to see this Montana manager. We've heard about him. He's our hero. He's in the meeting here. Normally, he's, there's no Montanas here that mm. comes into this. Because unfortunately, Ichmal didn't do it for a long time. Uh, he only did for a short time, then he went to another company. Yeah. So they were so amazed and so, you know, so excited that the, oh, things are going in this direction. So Matsuanas are here because A, he knows our culture. He knows how we operate. He knows how we live. So we're so grateful. So that for me was absolutely amazing in management. And I was uh, like, oh, okay. So this is quite good. And I told them, guys, it's all about working hard. Yeah. All about working hard and then you'll be able to do whatever you want to do. So later... Worked, worked at Kugana, did very well, and then there was an opportunity to go to Disney World. Yeah, which is another story. Which is another story <laughs> for another day. <laughs> so then, yeah, and, and now more or less, what, 15 years later from that moment, all the camps and lodges in the group are run by Botswana. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a great inspiration. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a great, well, not only from the people perspective, but what the company has set up and stick to the policies together with government mm. that you know what we are going to train these people yeah we're going to give them all the support and the right tools they need mm. in order for them to run our properties and life is a much it's much easier yes there are challenges sure like in every other businesses you mm. know so but yeah so then one day i was managing Savuti because i managed kugana um i managed camp Moremi. then i worked with john k at um 
Kampok of Angle. Where you proudly like to tell us you were your uncle's boss? Yes. <laughs> I remember we had a, a very good conversation by then. When I got in, we worked together, whatever. I dressed everybody. It's like, guys, it's great. We're looking forward to work with you. Kampok of Angle. Everybody kept on coming here in terms of management and they go. Uh, we're just going to turn this place down, change the positive energy within the staff. It was absolutely amazing. And then, um, and then I realized, oh, okay, I need to talk to John separately. So we went out, we sat by the Camp Ogavanga swimming pool, I remember, and we chatted. And I told him, because I call him Dad, I said, Dad, um, I'm very grateful to be working with you, and actually I'm very honored to be working with you. But there's two lines that we need to, me and you, need to agree on. Here at Camp Ogavango, I am the boss. At home, you are the boss. And he says, yeah, you've got it right. Yep. <laughs> this is how we're going to do it. John, you must have been very proud at that yeah. point, no? Yeah. Do you yeah. remember? Yes. Okay. He was very, very grateful to, to feel how I work. So he was very grateful. Yeah. And then, Yes. Okay. So he was very grateful that uh, when I came down to work there, he was like he felt like he's achieved all his long hard work from back in the days from the Makoros. So now he's seeing these fruits. This mm. tree now is all up and coming to 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 put the experience. And he was there. I'm ready to support it any time. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, yeah. to to me, it's like the full circle. Like if we if we go back to the early 70s where mm -hmm. you were taking all the kids mm -hmm. by Mokoro all the way to Man because <laughs> you knew it was the right thing to do to have the education and stuff. Uh, uh, to see that, as you say, the yeah. fruits of the trees now yeah. sitting before us today, uh, your nephew here who has made a success and made the whole family proud. It's very good. The story doesn't really stop there because yes. um, from management, as you said, you headed across... Overseas? Yes. For the very first time when you went to Disney? Or did you go to the UK before no, that? No, it was actually the very, very first time okay. when I went to overseas. Before that, I got taken by Walter Smith to Cape Town. Ah, you went to Cape Town to go and that see That was the, my first time out of the country. To see the ocean. <laughs> to see the sea. Yeah. Yeah, so that was like an amazing uh, experience on its own. Yeah, sure. Uh, but that was like a good breakaway out of Botswana to see things differently mm. but uh, yeah then I went to Disney they Disney had a, an amazing program so the whole idea is to people to from different parts of the world to go and work at Disney as we all know they're very good for their excellent service and you can't take that away yeah so we all um, so they came down a recruit from people working in the tourism industry to go and work at Disney um, I enjoyed it I battled at the beginning the first three months was tough. Sure. First six months was tough. Totally and different then environment. Later, yeah, and then later I met my friend Michelle, and then things got better. Uh huh. <laughs> Up until now, <laughs> his his friend Michelle, which ended up being his beautiful wife now today. Yes. So yes. <laughs> going to Disney was the best thing you could have ever done in your life, right? Yes. Disney is not only about Mickey Mouse. <laughs> I found my wife there. Who would have known that? Mickey from Mouse South and other stuff. Huh? Yeah, from South Africa. So so it was absolutely amazing experience. And yeah. not only I met my wife there, but also the experience I came with. I know. Because I could see the world in a different... It's like I came out of the fishbowl. And then while you're there, you look at things differently. Sure. 
and I gained a lot in terms of experience. Yeah, and in episode uh, two of this series, we we speak to Vincent Kukumani, uh, mm. yeah. who um, I worked with for many years, and he did a Disney he did Disney twice, and he was actually helping them recruit, and mm. so we actually have a, a whole episode in this series um, talking about that whole Disney experience because uh, your success story. Uh, can be coupled with many other people who mm. um, here in Botswana who have done this course, uh, who have become very successful in the country. Yes, um, no, so no, no, it's, no. A, it's a great project. No, it's absolutely amazing. I mean, I had an amazing time. Disney offered me a job at the end of the project that we would like you to stay behind because I became a trainer mm. while I was there, training the new recruits, people who comes in. So I got given that, and then, but I was like, there's nothing like home. Yeah. I'm going home. I'm going yeah. home. Give me my ticket. <laughs> so, but then later they offered me a job. I says, now, you know what? I've got the most amazing uh, place where I'm coming from. Yeah. And I've got a great job for the company I'm working for. So, I'm sorry. You guys can come and visit me whenever you get a chance, which is quite good. Yeah, nice. one, of, one of the guys came to visit us. Uh, I was working at Kagana. And I said, now you understand. Says, now I really understand. <laughs> what do you, man? Are you coming home? <laughs> No, we had a we had an absolutely amazing time. But yeah, otherwise that's another story. And yeah, and then of course you persuaded Michelle um, to come and move to Botswana and work with you. Yes, the interesting part of that is we met at Disney. After Disney, I came back home because I had my job here to continue. So the idea was okay, maybe because now I've got somebody. Michelle went to UK. She's got a British passport, so I was going to follow her to England. So, and then I thought about it, like, will I really live in England? Uh, we're writing each other letters and stuff like that, because back then there was no Wi-Fi, no WhatsApp, yeah. no Facebook. But then later she came down to Bots and she looked at the place and she liked the place. She studied tourism. Mm -hmm. So, and then she said, well, maybe this is the place where we can live. Cool. And she said, yes, now she's still here. Even. No, With uh, two beautiful girls and yes. uh, both yes. working in the company. It's two amazing. lovely girls, mm -hmm. absolutely amazing. And yeah. Um, yeah, I think on the 15th in five days' time is 15 years of marriage. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. Congrats. Yeah, no. But otherwise, yeah, no. And then from there, after Disney, then we managed camp. Well, actually, she went to Kugana. Yeah. Managed Kugana. We managed camp all together. We did very well. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, after that, we went to Camp Mrami. Managed Camp Mrami for two years. Mm-hmm. Then we went to Savuti, also managed Savuti for a couple of years. Then we realized, I think it's time for having, start thinking, family. family. Mm. And also, is there any other way, because I've done management and very successfully. Yeah, you want to progress. For, yeah, we want to progress. What's available? Mm. And then that's when general manager came. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and then I first became the assistant general manager of the company, mm -hmm. um, which is really quite interesting because now I'm moving away from the bush to Mount. Working in head <laughs> which office. I thought it was one of the worst decisions I've ever made because now I have to deal with the corporate politics, which is different. Yeah. But otherwise, it's like, you know what? This is a good challenge. I'm going to have to give it a shot. And, and you believed in yourself. Yeah, and I believed in myself. I'm going to figure it out. I had no cooking yeah. clue what I'm doing. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to carry it, bring it on. So that was quite good. And then I became the general manager. And perfect, really, because you, you, you come from all the experience, from a guiding point of view, from management, so yeah, the perfect person to have as a, a, a general manager. Yes. I remember when the, one of the interesting things is trying to negotiate my salary between being a general manager, and my boss was telling me, okay, so how much are we going to pay? And I was like, 
really, money, I don't think, is part of it. Uh, but what do you think I should get to, to be perfect? And he says, what do you mean? I says, listen, I used to earn five, 545 pula. So if you give me two, three thousand... Forty dollars. Yeah, if I used to earn forty dollars a month. If you give me two thousand pula or three thousand pula, it's still lots of money for me. I don't care. Whatever you give me. That was amazing. <laughs> so then he says, no, 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 this is where we're getting. But for me, it was absolutely amazing. It's like, wow. For me, it was a great achievement. And every time I take a step and move, the inspiration that I'm giving to local guys, that guys, we can do it. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Get on sure. it. Work hard. You will get there. And a lot of the youngsters were coming. It's like, we want to be like where you are. What have you done to be there? This is work hard. Yeah. Be open. Have the right attitude. Yeah. And 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 yeah, it was it was an incredible uh, experience. About a month ago, you were promoted in the the company. So um, to put people in perspective, now um, the, the the company uh, he works for is Choby Holdings, which has uh, two different safari companies, Desert and Delta Safaris, and Currendowney, and some subsidiary companies like Safari and so forth. So you have a group position now what is your job role and job description it's very broad <laughs> it's very broad um before after general manager I became an operation director for Currendani, mm -hmm. which was a new baby that came today well new baby meaning it was a new company a safari company that came to the group that yeah. was purchased uh, a few years years ago so we needed to make sure that somebody with my experience in order to put the logistics and the operational side of the business on track, they needed me. So I was there to put up that software, and, mm. and which I think obviously it worked well. And then a couple of months ago, like as you say, um, I got moved up to sit on the board. So now the board, Choby Holdings, is listed on Botswana Stock Exchange. It's a public company. So a public company, obviously, it has to run with a corporate governance. So the board is being guided by the corporate governance. So that means where the decisions and everything are being taken there uh, in order to filter it down to the shareholders. So my role is to make sure that the operations of the lodges, both Karandani, Desert and Delta, and other subsidiaries, they all fall under me to make sure that everything runs smoothly. The day-to-day -day of running for you to end up with the Coca-Cola and the camp, it, I need to make sure all of that is all done properly. It all passes through me. Mm. So it is quite more broad. It's quite challenging. Um, the interesting thing is now I'm into the corporate world. Corporate world, this is fully, <laughs> fully in, which is very different from the bush. Sure. The bush, and then coming in to be a general manager, and then now I'm sitting in the in a position where I deal with governments. I deal with. Uh, major stuff yeah, that staff, I never thought. government, yeah. local authorities. Financial statement. I never ever have to think that I'll have to read a financial yeah. statement. You know, yeah. I deal with everybody and at the same time making sure that there's close to 700 stuff sure. that I make sure that I look after and take care and make sure that each and every one of those people yeah. are happy and are okay with whatever we're doing. Yeah. So. Well, first and foremost, congrats. Uh, Thank you. should be very, um, very proud. It's a, it's a, it's a big role. And probably yes, a bit daunting, but um, I think I think I've slowly learned in my career uh, that when I speak to others that have taken on big director jobs like you've taken, um, from what I can see from them, they don't know what they're doing either. <laughs> so we're all just learning as we go along. Yes, you just figure it out as you go. Yeah. And 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 also one thing you have to know once you're up there, you don't get a pat on the shoulder. No. You don't. If you get it, it's very little. If you get it, just hang on it and, and embrace it. Yeah. Because once you're up there, 
you don't get it, they just expect you to deliver. And at some point I felt like, well, they expect you to deliver, but if you're doing wrong, they leave you to do wrong until they tell you, hey, Samaya, yeah, cheers, bye. Sure. You know, so it is, it is quite an interesting world and where you are by the time you get there. Yeah. So, but it's quite challenging. It's quite great. For me, I'm excited about it. What's your um, vision, MC? Like, like um, I know it's a broad question, but um, what do you want to try and achieve? I know that you probably are not coming in there to make big wholesale changes, yeah. but like you want to be able to look back in 10 or 15 years' time and say, hmm, I've done okay so far. Like, yeah. What do you want to see done? Like as you're saying, it's very broad. Uh, James, the key and the most important thing that um, I'd like to see is to grow our business. Grow our business either adding more products into our business, um, mm. But obviously, if I can do anything to be able to acquire, because I know it's very difficult. Most importantly is to inspire a lot of young Masonas that are below me and that are there that, listen, we can do these things. And you don't need a, a lot of stuff on your table. All what you need is to have the right, uh, the right attitude and be able to do what you need to do and what you're supposed to do. Mm. So it's basically those are the two main things from the work perspective. To achieve and also to have a, an amazing, because we already got an amazing people on the ground. Our yeah. staff are absolutely amazing. And the company and is successful. The company already. is mm. very successful and is doing amazing stuff. Wish you all the best. And um, yeah, let's um, let's see where it, where it takes you. Eh? Mm. And um, you know, honestly speaking, we are very lucky and fortunate to live in a country like we do um, and in an environment and we do and I think that is if I could say one thing just to summarize our discussions is there's few places in the world where a story like we've shared from the 70s to where we are now has been quite so successful as it is and I think that's that that's an amazing story which for me summarizes it all and I hope the listeners at home have managed to keep track of our long winding story to where it got to today, like an Okavango channel. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> Anything else you want to say, MC? No, I think it's been it's been it's been quite an interesting journey. Like as you say, from generations to generations. Um, I never thought I'll be sitting here, uh, worked for the same company that my uncles worked for, and I ne actually never ever thought I'll be able to take my kids to where my parents and my family were were born mm. and um, and be able to be so associated so close to that area often that is get lost throughout especially as people move from one area to another what else who knows maybe next episode i'll be the ceo i think so there's no stopping here <laughs> there's no stopping here <laughs> um but uh, and for those of you listening travelers <coughs> um fellow tour operators and stuff if you go to camp okavango you'll get to see the place and the environment firsthand of what we, we, we speak about. And these islands, um, Lopez Island, Buffalo Island, Malacca Island, it's a, an amazing environment. And the beautiful thing about it is that today it is as pristine as the very day that you were born in that area. There's always a saying from the first president of Botswana, Sergio Atacama, when he outlined the the foundation of the tourism persona it says this land we've borrowed it from our future children so we have to give it back mm. the same as it is so which is this is a true example uh, our first generations were there i am there now mm. it's like a fifth generation and i'm living it to 
the kids and the rest of the future generation that are coming mm. untouched that in itself says a lot about what tourism is all about in in, in Africa preserving natural areas as they were um, and keeping the heritage of the, of the of the country through the people alive thank you so much for listening and we hope you enjoyed the episode Please, if you've got any questions or feedback, or if you know somebody that would be really good for the podcast, do get in touch with us. You can reach us on inspiringafricantravel.com. Otherwise, reach out to us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We are all over there. And we also have a YouTube channel, so please check that out and, and subscribe as well. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>